0: Wherever you are, come on, we can worship Him anywhere, amen? Well, welcome, welcome, welcome to day 19 of 40 Days of Prayer and Fasting, day 19. Tomorrow, we make it to the halfway point. Come on, somebody. To everybody who is joining us, these 40 Days of Prayer and Fasting, just know we are praying for you. I pray personally for for healing, for encouragement, for godly insight, for wisdom, for strength. We're praying for our church, our families, our homes, this city, this nation, this world, because how many of you know people need Jesus? Come on, we need Jesus. And so I want to thank you for joining us on these 40 days of prayer and fasting. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us online and on ABC6. It is so good to be with you today. I want to welcome the hundreds of prisons across forty-two states, more than four hundred fifty thousand men and women behind bars. Come on! I want to welcome you. Nursing homes across the state. I want to. I want to welcome you. And and if you're, you're wondering, well, well, who's in the house? We got some Rock City staff right here in the house today. So come on, make some noise. We all welcome you. We are continuing our our series that we've been in now for six weeks. This is part six of an eight-part series. We are studying the very first portion of one of Jesus' most powerful sermons, the Sermon on the Mount. And he begins this sermon with what are known as the Beatitudes, eight statements, eight powerful declarations by Jesus, all beginning with the same word, the word blessed. Blessed. And if you study this word, the word that Jesus chooses for his very first massive public sermon address, it is a word that describes somebody who is holy and deeply satisfied. Does that describe you? Somebody who is deeply content, fulfilled. Jesus is describing somebody with unshakable faith inner peace and a joy that abides no matter what and what Jesus is saying is do you want to be blessed do you do you want to be like me do you want to have joy in your heart and in your home no matter what no matter what your circumstance because if you want this what I'm offering you here now then you need to pay attention to my words or if you want what the rest of the world is feeding off of today, if you want more bitterness in your heart and in your home, more anger and hatred, greed, selfishness. If you, if you want that, then you do what everybody else is doing. You just keep going the, the way that you naturally will go. You be like everybody else if you want what everybody else is having. But if you want this, if you want what I'm offering you today, if you want to be blessed, if you want to be like me, Jesus is saying these beatitudes will teach you how to be like Jesus, how to be blessed like Jesus. And if you've ever wondered why do we make such a big deal of Jesus, why why, why do we point always to Jesus, Why does everything we do and every message point to Jesus? It's because the scripture says of Jesus in John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning. Same three words that the Bible starts with in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, Jesus, the Word, was with God in the beginning. Through him, the word, through Jesus, all things were made, including you and me. Without him, nothing was made. In him was, in his life, and that life is the light of all mankind. The light that shines in the darkness. The darkness has not, cannot, will not overcome it. Come on, somebody. Verse 9, he is the true light that gives light to everyone everywhere, and he has come into the world. Here's what it says of Jesus. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him, could not see him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, the name of Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God, children of God. Born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word, Jesus, became flesh, and he made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, Jesus, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Come on, anybody think the world needs some more grace and some more truth? Come on, not one or the other, but both and No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, Jesus, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. If you've ever wondered, why do we make such a big deal about Jesus? This is it. What the world needs is not another practicing politician. Come on, somebody. The world needs Jesus. The world needs Jesus. The world needs Jesus. Come on. The world needs Jesus and maybe some Big Ten football. Come on, somebody. Lord, would you open our eyes that we might see, our ears that we may hear your word today. May the powerful presence of your Holy Spirit do a work in each one of us like only you can as we open up your word today, as you speak to us, as you transform each one of us from the inside out. It is in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. You know what I love about these beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5? Each one is associated with a promise. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit not the heaven, but the earth here now. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled, not just in heaven again, but here now. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Have you seen him? Do you see God? Because according to Jesus, the pure in heart might not, maybe, someday, one day see God if they're lucky, but according to Jesus, the pure in heart will see God. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 says of the heart that everything you do flows from your heart, to guard your heart above all else because everything you do flows from your heart. The New Living Translation says it like this, that your heart determines the entire course of your life. According to Jesus in Mark chapter 7, it's not what goes into you that makes you unclean. It's what comes out of you that makes you unclean. For it is from within, according to Jesus, out of a person's heart that evil thoughts come. And sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, folly. Jesus says all of these things come not from outside of you, but from inside of you and make you unclean that's why when people say some of the best advice we can give you is to follow your heart no no no, stop that Jesus never told us to pick up our cross and follow our hearts Jesus said pick up your cross and follow me come on church pick up your cross and follow me follow me Matter of fact, in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, it says this, Your heart, my heart, is deceitful above all things, not some things, but all things and beyond cure. And yet Jesus is saying the the pure in heart will see God. Author John Stott, in his commentary on the Sermon on the Mount, describes the meaning of pure heart as one whose whole life, both public and private, is Transparent before God and before men. He says that their very heart, including their thoughts and their motives, is pure, unmixed with anything devious, ulterior, or base. The pure in heart will see God. I want you to think about how obsessed we are with purity, cleanliness, (laughs) We're for clean everything. We want clean air, pure air, clean water, clean energy, clean produce, steroid-free chicken. Come on, somebody. No, no additives, no antibiotic. Just clean, pure, unadulterated everything. And, and yet there tends to be one thing that we often overlook. It's not the hotel rooms we stay in. Nobody wants to stay in a dirty hotel room. It's not the restaurants we love to frequent. Nobody wants to eat at a restaurant that even looks just a little bit dirty. It's not the homes that we live in. We do our best to tidy up our homes. Come on, somebody. We live in a clean house. At least we try to. It's not our homes. But the one thing we tend to neglect, to overlook, is the cleanliness of our own hearts. When you look at the word that Jesus is using, this word pure in the Greek, which the Greek language is a far more richer language than the English language, you start to get a better sense for what Jesus is describing, what it means to be pure in heart. It's the word katharos in the Greek. It's where we get the English word catharsis or cathartic. In medicine, doctors will use a cathartic to cleanse the body. Catharsis is a psychological term that describes an emotional release. When I've been cleansed, there's an emotional release that takes place. What Jesus is describing is one who has been cleaned, cleansed from the inside out. And there has now been an emotional release because I am now free From a guilty conscience, I'm free from that thing that has been defiling me. From the inside, I've been cleansed, and now I am free and whole in Jesus' name. To be pure in heart means that my conscience is clean and clear. I have a clean and clear conscience. My sin has been washed away. My guilt has been cleansed. There's there's been an emotional release of freedom that comes from knowing our sins have been forgiven. My, My guilt has been washed away. There's no more hiding my sin. There's no more sin holding on to me. There's no more the weight of sin, the guilt of sin. I am clean and clear, forgiven, set free. Now, if that describes you, you need no further explanation. If that might not describe you, let me give you five steps to a clean and clear conscience. Number one, it starts with the acknowledgement of sin. I acknowledge my sin. I can't confess what I refuse to acknowledge. I can't confess what I conceal. I, I can't confess what I don't even know is there. It starts with the acknowledgement of sin. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory. Of God, and I know for certain that I am one of all. I've sinned, you've sinned, we've sinned, and I'm aware. David in Psalm 51, he's just committed adultery with a woman he's not married to, she's married, he gets her pregnant, and to cover his own sin, he has her husband murdered. And this sin is Eating King David alive, there is no clean and clear conscience. He's living under the weight of the guilt of his sin. He knows that he sinned against God. And he says in Psalm 51, verses 1 through 3, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. And I sure hope it's unfailing because I've, I've done failed real big right here. Come on, somebody. I've failed big. I need your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, because I need all the compassion you've got, Lord, once you hear what I've just done. Blot out my transgressions, wash away all of my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin. here's the key words, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Church, we're living in a world today that not only embraces sin, but but in many ways completely disregards sin. There are many in the world today that, that, that choose not to see sin or, or even acknowledge sin. King David, he says, I'm, I'm aware of my sin. It is always before me. My, my heart breaks because I've broken the heart of, of God. And, and as, as it begins with awareness, the, the awareness, not only that I've sinned, but my sin breaks the heart of God. What happens next? I, I mourn my sin. My heart breaks because I know God's heart breaks. I mourn my sin. I, I mourn the sin that I see in the world around me, the destruction that sin has and is causing in the world around me. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn their sin once I've acknowledged my sin and I've mourned my sin, then I, I confess my, my sin. Why, why confess something that doesn't break your heart? Why, why confess something that you don't think is really all that big of a deal? It's what David does. He, he acknowledges, he mourns, he confesses his sin to God. He's not trying to hide it, cover it, make excuses for it. And then he repents. I repent of my sin. What's the difference between confession and repentance? Well, confession is, here it is. I know what it is. This is what it looks like. I need freed from this. I need help from this. Come on, Lord, I need your forgiveness now. Repentance means, and I'm not going back to it. Come on, church. Um, Listen, I'm, I'm here now. I feel the the release of the guilt that's been upon me as you're forgiving me. But I don't want this guilt to be short-lived. Come on, church. I want this guilt to be long, the the, the guilt-free life to be long-lasting. I'm not coming to your presence just to confess something, to be forgiven of something, so I can go back right to that something and have to come back into your presence and be forgiven of that something again and have that guilt lifted and lifted and lifted off of me. Repentance uh, means I'm turning from my sin. I'm not going back to the life I used to live. I want to learn to walk in freedom every single day with you, in step with you, according to your word and your will and your way. David said in verse 10, I don't want to go down this road anymore. Lord, would you create in me a pure heart oh God would you renew a steadfast spirit within me because I know listen if my spirit's not steadfast that this moment's not going to last I'm going right back to it I I need a, a pure heart and a steadfast strong spirit within me would you restore to me the joy of your salvation and would you grant me a willing spirit one that desires to walk with you and has the strength to to step with you and, and live for you all the days of my life as you, O oh Lord, sustain me by the strength of your hand. You know what happens when you pray a prayer like that? What happens is God forgives you. Come on, and you get to say, I am forgiven of my sin. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. Because when I confess my sin, he is faithful and he is just and he will forgive us our sins and he will purify us. He will cleanse us from not just some, but from all the unrighteousness in our lives. Love what Pastor Craig Rochelle said this week. I saw him posted online. He said, and the great thing about God is he will cancel your sin, but he will not cancel you. Amen. When you pray a prayer like David prayed, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. He forgives you. He loves you. He wants to cleanse you from the inside out. But what do we do? We we like to focus on not the inside out life, but the outside in life. And Jesus had a conversation with some religious leaders who, who spend all day, every day focused on the outside in life. And if you've ever wondered, what can I do to really irritate the Lord? Here's one thing that gets the Lord real irritated. That's when you try to look the part. When you, when you live from the outside in instead of from the inside out. Here's what he said to the religious leaders in Matthew 23. He said, whoa, to you. He walks up into church and he's like, whoa. You who teach the law, you, you religious Pharisees, you, you hypocrites. You know Jesus saved his sharpest criticism, not for for the the, the sinners that the church didn't want anything to do with. He saved his sharpest criticism for church people. He said, you clean the outside of the cup, but inside you're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee. In other words, I see you. I I see what other people don't see. And I see how you're running the tables right now when it comes to your religious tradition. But you've completely neglected your heart. Here's why you're blind. Because you're living from the outside in and not from the inside out. Only the pure of heart will see God. Inside you're corrupt, inside you're not clean, inside you're greedy, you're selfish, self-centered, prideful, arrogant. First, Jesus said, clean the inside of the cup and the dish, then the outside will be clean also. Whoa, 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 whoa to you teachers of the law, you Pharisees, you, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs. You look great on the outside, but inside you're full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. The same way on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. In other words, God's not fooled by how well you carry yourself on the outside. Because the Lord sees not as man sees, man looks on the outward appearance But the Lord looks on the heart. So it doesn't matter the mask you wear, the clothes you put on, God sees through all of it. Proverbs 10, verse 9, it says this whoever walks in integrity, which means you're you're honest, you're whole, you are the same person on the inside as people see on the outside, You, you have nothing to hide. You walk securely. You walk with confidence because you're not afraid of anybody finding out anything about you. You're the same on the outside as you are on the inside. But he who makes his ways crooked, watch this, will be found out. Now, somebody watching this right now, the reason you're not living with a clean and clear conscience is because you're living every day. Wondering if today is the day that you're about to be found out. There's some things on the inside that you've not confessed to God. There's some things on the inside that nobody else knows about. And I can only give you one prescription for the fear that you're living with. And for the lack of peace that's in your heart and probably in your home because you're living every day wondering, is today going to be the day? Because you're not the person on the inside that everybody sees on the outside of the fear of being found out. The only remedy that I can give you is to bring that thing to the light and let the Lord deal with it and you start to deal with it in Jesus' name. Let him heal you and let him walk you through step by step the healing process. It it might mean some conversations within your marriage. It might mean some conversations in your family. It might mean some conversations at your workplace or with a friend. But You will never be so lonely as with the secrets you keep. And God won't heal what I continue to conceal. Come on, church. That thing needs to come to the surface. Here's what you need to know, though. It will come to the surface. You will. He who makes his way crooked will be found out. So you can bring that to the surface or just wait until one day it makes its way to the surface. One way or another, it will make its way to the surface. But here's what you need to know about the Lord. He's gracious. He's patient. He loves you. He gave his life to free you from the sin that keeps you bound. What pure in heart means is my conscience is clean and and clear. Number two, it means that my my spiritual eyes are opened. You want to know why so many people in today's world are fearful, worried, anxious, anxious? It's because when they, they look at all the crazy and chaos in the world, all the injustice and, and the sickness and, and disease and heartbreak and, and heartache, that's all they see. And how disheartening if that's all you see. It's why the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18, he said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be open, that you may know, that you may see the hope that you have in Jesus. That your spiritual eyes would be open so that when you look at the world, it's not all you see. Destruction and chaos and COVID-19 and Bitterness and anger and hatred and rage and racism and injustice. I I know you're going to see it, but if that's all you see, how disheartening a life that is to live. I asked my small group of men this week, how have you seen God at work these past six months? Because I know we all have reason to complain Plenty to complain about. We all have reason to worry, to be fearful at times. But I also know that God is good and that God is good all the time. That God is good even in, in a COVID-19 world. That, that God is good even in an election cycle. Come on, somebody. That, that God is good and God is good all the time. Do you see him? Do you see him? Can you see the goodness of God in the world around you? I see God. I see God in creation. Psalm 19 verse 1, the heavens declare your glory, O Lord, the skies proclaim the work of your hands. Do you see him? There's a story that's been shared of the first Russian cosmonaut who went up into outer space and he circled the earth and he came down and he said, I I circled the earth and I searched for God everywhere, but I didn't see him. Therefore, there is no God. That a few weeks later, John Glenn, a born-again Christian, went up into space and he circled the earth three times. And when he came back down, he said this. He said, I saw God everywhere. You can't look at this kind of creation and not believe that there is a God, that to me would be impossible. It's interesting how two men see the same thing. One sees God and one does not. I've always thought it interesting that, that so much of, of, of the coastline, uh, I, I think one of the most beautiful places on the planet is the coastline of California. You've got forest and, and trees and Ocean and mountain and valley and desert and vineyard all up in the same place. The, the most beautiful sunrise. And yet yet there, there, there can be such a humanistic worldview that's taken root where, where, where you get to see the creation of God like nobody else on this planet. And, I, and I've always wondered how can it be that there's such godlessness and such a humanistic worldview where God is, is so clearly present. How can you wake up every morning and see that sunrise that sunset, and not know that there is a good God whose God is hand on everything. Well, the Bible tells us that the God of this age, who is Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Sin has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. When you're saved, your spiritual eyes are open. You you see God in creation. You you see God in the day-to-day. You you see God in the midst of this pandemic through those who who love God so much and they would willingly put themselves in harm's way to treat people. I see God in the, the teachers and staff who've set aside their own personal fears to teach our young people. I see God in the outpouring of generosity of people have been been hurting. The church has been willing to, to stand and meet the needs that they see. I see God in the newness of every day that's given to us every chance and opportunity to rise up in this new day and start again. Joseph, who was literally sold as a slave by his own brothers, falsely accused of raping a woman, spends years in prison, said, I see God because what you need to know is you intended to cause me harm, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Romans chapter 8, it says this, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purposes. It's not all things are good. It's that in all things, God is clearly at work and all things, God is good. I see God in the affairs of men. Do you see him? Have your spiritual eyes been open? Do you see God at work in the world today? Or is all you see the chaos and division and pain and suffering and sickness that everybody else sees? I see God at work. In the midst of this pandemic, I see God at work. In the midst of this most polarizing election, at least until the next election. Come on, somebody. It's every four years. It's every four years. I see God. There's one more characteristic to this word that Jesus uses, pure in heart, katharos, to be cleansed. It was also a word that was used by farmers to refer to grain that had the chaff sifted out of it, to milk that had not yet been watered down. Nobody likes skim milk. Come on, say amen if you you agree. Nobody likes skim milk. It it was a word Used to refer to a pure metal without any added alloy, natural food without additive, unmixed, unadulterated, undiluted, without any mixture or contaminant. See, here's what else it means to be pure and hard. It means that there is no mixture of falsehood in me. There's no mixture of falsehood in my my heart. I am 100% holy and fully committed and devoted to Christ. Not duly devoted, not half in, half out. There is no mixture of devotion. For me, it is Jesus and only Jesus. It's not the crowd and the cross. It's the cross and only the cross. It means I, I choose conviction over conformity. I live by principled biblical conviction, not by popular cultural compromise. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. No matter how unpopular your devotion to Jesus may be, I think the disciples might could tell us something about what unpopular devotion looks like. Because for most all of those, who were closest to Jesus, their conviction led them to die a martyr's death. Church, for most of you who are watching right now, your persecution pales in comparison to what real persecution looks like, unless you're one who's watching from from somewhere in China right now or from one of our partner places in India right now or, or somewhere in the Middle East right now where your devotion to Jesus is literally costing you your freedom and even your life. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? Because unless my heart has been transformed, I will conform to this world. And I don't want to conform to this world. I choose conviction over conformity. I choose the fear of God over the fear of man. That just means you can turn the cultural heat up all you want to. My biblical conviction will be unchanged. And no matter how loud the crowd gets, remember, nobody in that crowd has done for you what Jesus has done for you. Nobody in the world has done for you what Jesus has done for you. So let the crowd get loud. Just know they've not done for you what Jesus did for you. That's why I don't follow the crowd. I follow Christ. Jesus said if it's the blind leading the blind, both will fall into a pit. Both will fall into a pit. Do not be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They can't touch your soul. Fear only, God, for the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It means I choose the word over the world. I choose the word over the world. Your word, Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word, not the world. Your word is a lamp for my feet. Your word is a light for my path. Jesus said in Matthew 7, heaven can be entered only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. And its gate is wide enough For all the multitudes who want to go down this easy path. But the gateway to life is small. And the road is narrow. And only a few will ever find it. Jesus goes on to say in John chapter 14 verse 6, I am the narrow gate. I am the gateway to life. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. That's why, if you really want to be pure in heart, it means to choose Jesus, only Jesus. I choose Jesus, only Jesus. Because salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And everyone who calls, not just on some name, but on the name of Jesus will be saved. Do you see Him? Can you see? Have your spiritual eyes been open because according to John chapter 3 verse 3 unless one is born again he cannot see the kingdom of God can you see if so would you thank him if you can see right where you are would you thank him would you say Lord thank you for forgiving me of my sin thank you for cleansing me from the inside out would you thank him Thank you for opening my eyes. Thank you for filling me with your holy spirit. Thank you for giving me peace and hope. I can see. If that doesn't describe you. Perhaps this moment would be your moment of confession. Your moment of salvation from the comfort of your home or from the confinement of your prison cell or from that nursing home wherever you are might this moment be the moment where your eyes would be open as we together cry out to the only one who is able to heal, to save, to set free where you are, would you say, Jesus, I need you. I acknowledge my sin. I see it. I acknowledge my sin. I mourn it to Jesus. I, I'm sorry that I've broken your heart. I'm sorry I've gone my own way. And I confess right now that I am a sinner in need of salvation through Jesus. And I repent, which means I turn from the life that I've been living and I'm choosing now to follow you. Would you fill me with grace and hope and peace and mercy? Forgive me of all my sin in Jesus' name. Fill me with your Holy Spirit as I choose to follow you day by day. And now it is in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. It is in Jesus' name. Name above every name. The only name with the power to say it is in Jesus' name we say in agreement. Amen. Amen. And amen. Come on, would you worship him where you are right now? Come on.
1: you heaven. Let the praise go up because the world has come yes. down. Oh create. Down. All His children, clean His pure hearts, good grace, good God. His name is Jesus. Come on, swing wide, Let's swing wide. Are you?